Hello all, I'm Stacy. I'm Coulter. And this is Any Crime At All. So, uh, nothing too, too new going on, I don't think, eh? Any celebrities die or anything? I don't think so. Uh, no, not that I know of. Well, they found out what killed Matthew Perry, anyway. Yeah. And he wasn't using, he was clean. Um, yeah, so, still sad, still hurting. I'll be there for you. You know, all that jazz. Um, so today we are doing um, part two of Canadian Genocide. Now, I'm just going to warn you right now, trigger warnings for pretty much everything. Okay? Murder, sexual assault, torture, all that horrid shit. And it's all done on fucking children. So are you ready to get into this, Colt? Yes. It's going to be a rough one, all right? Yeah. All right. So first, I'm going to start with some quotes that I found, okay? Genocide does not necessarily mean the immediate destruction of an entire nation. It is rather a coordinated plan of different actions aiming at the destruction of essential foundations of the life of national groups with the aim of annihilating the groups themselves. This was said by Raphael Lemkin, part of the Axis rule in occupied Europe in 1944. Now this next Why, one, what was going on in 44? Yeah, eh? Now this next one is pretty fucking gross. Colonization is civilization. If we, the superior race, take the land of other races, we must utterly destroy the previous inhabitants. The disappearance of our local Indians is of little consequence. This was said by Sir Edward Bulwer- Lytton or Lytton, co-founder of British Columbia and member of the Legislative Assembly in 1868. Okay. Gross. A year after Canada was formed. Gross. Okay, so another quote. Uh, I just got a blanket well infected with smallpox and put it between my saddle blanket and a sweat pad. I went into all their villages with it and I succeeded. All of the savages died of smallpox. This was said by John McLean, Hudson's Bay Company trader and land speculator. This was the telling of his trip to the Chilcotin's uh, nation of BC in 1908. I'd heard that before. That's disgusting. Yep. Horrible. Yeah. And one more. Oh, no. Sorry. No, a couple more. <laughs> um... I believe the conditions are being deliberately created in our Indian schools to spread infectious diseases. The death rate often exceeds 50%. This is a national crime. This was said by Dr. Peter Bryce to Indian Affairs Deputy Superintendent Duncan Campbell Scott on April 12, 1907. Shortly after this, Bryce was dismissed by Scott. Okay. Interesting, eh? Yeah. Just... Fucking awful. Okay, so this was said by Neil Parker, Indian Affairs Superintendent in 1949. He said, mm -hmm. If I were to choose to kill off half the Indian children in our care, there is no better instrument to use than your typical residential school. I get rid of the Indian problem, as they say. Awful. Awful, awful. All right, so... Do I... you have anything on uh, Johnny McDonald yet? No, not yet. Not yet? No. So, I said here, they talked about genocide like they were talking about what to buy at the store. So fucking nonchalant and unfeeling. 
the indigenous population were not human in their eyes. Not at all. Just yeah. gross. How do people like this lay their heads on pillows at night? This is real. This actually happened in Canada. What an absolute cancer on the place we call home. I am embarrassed, heartbroken, and so very sorry that our ancestors may have participated in this fucking horror. I certainly hope we didn't, but... Okay, the extermination that Christian Europeans perpetrated on any and all indigenous groups in the Americas is the largest genocide in the recorded history of the world. Many Canadians deny that this ever happened, no doubt getting their whitewashed history from government green-lighted history books. They say Canadians would never have participated in something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, probably not Canadians today. I can say for certain not Canadians today. Well, there's probably... Most of us. There's, there's definitely a few of them. Definitely. But mo everyone, and I'm not saying that I know a ton of people, but everyone that I know wouldn't. I know that for sure. Well, you've known hundreds of people in your life. I suppose, yeah. So. But us white people, all of our ancestors came from Europe, and we all know England, especially, had no qualms about conquering, decimating, and enslaving other nations. Them, they did it everywhere. Them and their fucking tea and crumpets. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We love our uh, British fans. We <laughs> certainly do. I love British people. but And I love tea and crumpets. <laughs> so Me too. I can't judge. We love tea. Uh... <laughs> The genocide perpetrated on our native peoples and on Canadian soil was quite unique when you really think about it. Think of the genocide that everyone knows about. Nazi Germany, right? Yeah. So, on almost the whole of Europe, now this is just within the camps, about uh, 12 million humans murdered in under 10 years, let's say. Sorry, guys, got a cat here. <laughs> um, there was definitely more than that, but I'm just doing, a, say, 20 million. 20 million what? What are you talking about? 20 million humans in Europe in, during the war, during the Second World War. Like in total humans, not just the Jewish people. Not just the Jewish people. Okay, I was going to say, because it's not that many. No, not just Jewish people, because they we know they didn't just murder Jewish people. Uh, it was done quickly and quite noticeably. Isn't it amazing that uh, Canada and the States will almost bombard you with World War II history? Mm -hmm. Only from their side, by the way. They don't talk about the Dresden bombing. No. Or anything. No. Look that up if uh, you want to see something horrible. Because we're the heroes in that story. But, but when they're the ones... Who are the perpetrators? Who, who are the perpetrators it's not talked about. Oh, God, no. No. We can't be the villains. They literally shut these people away in little communities. Mm-hmm. And shit like that. That's horrible. Yeah. And still, to this day, a lot of them can't even drink their water. Yeah. It's hypocritical. It's, it's disgusting. So, yeah. So, like I was saying, it was done quickly and quite noticeably, right? Yeah. The genocide over there. We can agree on that. Whereas the native peoples of Canada, really all of North America was done over hundreds of years. Also, this genocide was done in the name of the Christian God. Though I dare say power was the ultimate mitigating factor. The number is staggering, to say the least. Are you ready for this? Yeah. 
130 million indigenous people were murdered during the long, brutal genocide of North America, north of Mexico. Yeah. 130 million humans. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, keep talking while I think. Okay. So you may ask, why hasn't Canada ever been prosecuted for genocide? Well, there is a little loophole in the Genocide Convention that says that genocide is the intent to commit the crime and not the crime itself. With Canada and the U.S., uh, were most certainly guilty of this crime. They inserted the following phrase to save their asses. Genocide means the intent to destroy, in whole or in part, any national, ethnic, or religious group. In a report to the House of Commons in 1952, Prime Minister Lester B. Pearson said, quote, this is the leader of a country, by the way. Yeah. Quote, if the original draft of genocide introduced in the UN General Assembly had have remained, we in Canada would have had to close every Indian school in our country. And since that was an impossibility... The Genocide Convention had to be modified, unquote. Oh, my God. That was an impossibility? You're closed. There what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, so what I was going to say is I've, I've heard the argument from being in an Aboriginal beliefs class. Right. And all that. Whereas this person wasn't making an argument. They had, We were doing this thing where you had to argue a point. Right. And he said, well... Because we were talking about the genocide of World War II versus this. Right. They said, well, what if uh, the height of the genocide against indigenous people, mm -hmm. would it be more well known if they had radio then? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think, think so, so. though. They, no. they, would, they wouldn't let them cover that. Yeah, I don't think so because you had the, Cana the Canadian government and the church, multiple churches covering this shit up. Yeah. And whether you want to believe it or not, churches have a fuck ton of power. Like, it's very different. It, Hitler was like, I'm going to take over the world. Yeah. But yeah, he, he came right out and said it. Yeah, like, he, he he made all his intentions yeah. clear. Whereas they were secretive and slimy yeah. about we're, it. We're trying to help them, is what yeah. they were disguising it as. So yeah, what I said, I, I didn't agree with that. I don't don't think radio would have made it. No, difference. I don't think so either. Because residential... At first I was like, maybe. Residential schools were still in full effect when radio when, was around. When TV was around. Yeah, when TV came, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, so that little word intent is what keeps us from being, from the Canadian government and the churches, from being prosecuted. Yeah. Because all they have to say is, we didn't intend for them to die. You know? Yeah, that's bullshit. So ever since uh, 1948, both countries and religious groups have always cited the word intent as a means to escape prosecution. Yeah, sorry, I, I'm interrupting a lot. <laughs> no, it's okay. Go ahead. Um, I love this. But the intent part of it, they didn't intend for them to die, I don't believe. Well, they did. Well, they did in a sense, but in a way it was just like, who gives a fuck? Throw them there and let them... Yeah, but when you think about what we talked about in the first episode, they were putting... Healthy children 
with children who were sick with That's TV. That's true. Okay, you're right. Yeah. They definitely intended for these children to Like die. the whole smallpox deal. That's all. That's definitely intent. They wiped out 75%. Mm-hmm. Uh, an estimate, that is. Yeah. 75% of the indigenous population. Definitely 75% of BC's indigenous population, for sure. Well, Canada. Maybe more. Yeah. It's all, all Canada. They wiped Ooh. out... Uh, I forget what they were. That, that tribe that was uh, in Newfoundland. I did a whole thing on them Yeah, you told me their names, too. Yeah, the Beothuk or something. Beothuk. Okay. Beothuk. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, they wiped out that entire uh, population. Population, yeah. Ugh. Like they, there, no one exists from from them at all. Their language is forgotten. Oh, see, that's and that ha- that's happened a lot too. There's a lot of languages forgotten because of all this. Can you imagine? Like cool history like that. The knowledge we lost, the teachings, the history. Yeah. What this land was like before fucking white people came. Like. Yeah. And I'm a white person. Like, I fucking. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. I'm getting mad. Let's stay on point here. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I'll stop interrupting. No, no, no. Keep interrupting. That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm just really passionate I'm about that. I'm going to get mad again. So. <laughs> now let's talk about some homicides in the schools. As much as we don't want to, we have to address it. It would be tough to track down records of children who passed away in these schools as, as the records were all either falsified or destroyed. It would also be tough to pinpoint one perpetrator as it seems everyone who worked within and peripheral, that word, peripherally around the schools were all completely complicit. Many survivors have come forward with horrendous stories and memories of abuse, torture, and even murder. Here are just a few. So, I'm going to get you to read these quotes. Start with that one. You don't have to read them all. I can switch up with you if you want. Right here? Yep, right at the top. Okay. After my brother got better, he didn't go back to the mush hole. And he said, you know what happened to all of those kids who were there? You know what happened to them? And I said, no. And he said, they called in the army and they took them to the army base and they shot them. They stood them along this big hole and they shot them. That sounds familiar. I was just going to say. When the bullets hit them, they fell into the hole. Lorna McNaughton, survivor of the Anglican Mohawk Residential School in Brantford, Ontario. Now we have a little bit from Lorna later, too. That's really interesting, Expanding though. Expanding on it. The, the whole thing. That's mm-hmm. what the Nazis Nazi did. Nazi Germany, yeah. Uh, it was... Just the quotes. Oh, just the quotes? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Looking for individual cases of murder in the residential schools is like asking why fetuses are killed at an abortion clinic. Harriet Nahani, Alberni school survivor, February 9th, 1998. Mm -hmm. The prosecution need not prove the individual culpability of the death camp guard or of the high state official when the system itself was geared to mass destruction. Any single serving such a any individual serving such a system is assumed to be complicit and guilty by the fact of his association with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So atrocities like gang rapes, torture, beatings, solitary confinement without food were pretty commonplace in the residential schools. 
There were also disciplinary tortures, such as electric shock used. Please keep in mind, all of this was being perpetrated against children. Children whose only crime was not being white. Yeah. I just got a full body chill. That is disgusting. The absolute demons that worked at these schools were virtually above the law as they were being protected by the RCMP, the Canadian government, and the higher-ups in the various churches. And as I said, churches have enormous power. On December 18, 1995, Harriet Nahani, a residential school survivor and eyewitness to a homicide, went public at a protest at the United Church offices in Vancouver, B.C., this protest, incidentally, was organized by Kevin Annette, the author of this book. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Murder and by Decree, The Crime of Genocide in Canada, was, it's called. I was just going to say, let's give the book a plug again. <laughs> Harriet, I'm going to be plugging it a lot during this. So Harriet recalled being in a residential school in Port Alberni, B.C., run by the United Church on Christmas Eve in 1946. This is where she witnessed Principal Alfred Caldwell... Keep that name in your head. Kill 14-year-old Maisie Shaw. Now, just a little bit about Maisie, what I could find anyway. She came from the tiny village of Nitinat, I hope I'm saying that right, on the remote west coast. Her father was Walter Shaw, a fisherman, and her mother was Ella Williams. Maisie was born on August 26, 1932, in one of those odd occurrences of history, she shared her birthday with her father, who had been born on August 26, 1905, in New Westminster. Her mother was born in Alberni in 1906. Harriet Nahani said, and I'm going to get you to read her quote. Right here? Yeah. I was at the bottom of the stairs in the basement. I always went to the bottom of the stairs to sit and cry. I heard her crying. She was looking for her mother. I heard Caldwell yelling at the supervisor for letting the child run around on the stairwell. I heard him kick her and she fell down the stairs. I went to look. Her eyes were open. She wasn't moving. They didn't even come down the stairs. I never saw her again. Isn't that horrendous? The horrendous. Just disgusting. Oh, it's bad enough that that happened to that poor little girl, Maisie Shaw. Yeah. But now, Harriet, if she's still alive... And if she's not, rest in peace. But Harriet had to live with seeing that, let alone all the other tortures she saw. Yeah. And everything she went through. After Maisie's death, Principal Caldwell told her parents that she had been hit by a train. However, in January 1986, Kevin Annette, again the author of this book, found Maisie's provincial death certificate that states that she died from acute rheumatic pericarditis or heart failure. She was 14. Okay. Now, it's possible to die of her. Yeah, of course. But a 14-year-old girl? I mean, that's a little... Very rare. A little suspect, right? Yeah. Uh, furthermore, this quote-unquote official document had only been put into the archives in December 1995. December? Or 1985, sorry. I put 95. It was 85. 85 still rough, too. Yeah. Now, he found it in January 86. This would have been right around the time that Harriet Nahani went public with her knowledge of the murder of Maisie. Coincidence, huh? Very coincidental. 
When asked about Maisie Shaw, Brian Young from the provincial coroner's office said, quote, there was no death certificate for Maisie Shaw before last month, unquote. Kevin Annette asked, is this normal? No death certificate? Young answered, quote, with Indians it is. It probably meant that she was just shoved in the ground somewhere, unquote. There, that answers the fucking bullshit right there. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Yep. Why would that guy lie? Yeah. He has no reason to. He's yep. just a working guy. Just a, yeah. He just worked at the coroner's office. It doesn't even say that he was a coroner. Yeah. So, the death certificate says that Maisie was buried by the Port Alberni funeral home, yet they have no records of her ever having been there. Um, also, Stephen Hume, a reporter for the Vancouver Sun, said he'd seen these things before, and it's, quote, all just a crude forgery, unquote. Fuck. Okay, so this is good. So the day after Harriet Nahani went public, the United Church issued a statement. They claimed that the church, quote, has not engaged in any form of cover-up or deception in relation to this sad occurrence, unquote. The day after she came forward with this, okay? Yeah. I put, it was the very next day. I mean, I don't even think people had time to accuse them of anything yet. Yeah. Uh, and then I put, methinks thou doth protest too much because, you know. Yeah, well, um, the church has never covered anything up. Come no. on. Oh, they're just so pure and bleh. Okay, so more things from the Port Alberni Residential School. Um, so there was a second murder by Principal Alfred Caldwell. Yes. Okay. Um, do, 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 do. so Archie, um, Archie Frank told Sun reporters that he saw Caldwell beat a boy named Albert Grace Senseless for taking a prune out of a jar. Albert died the next day and was buried in secret. So Archie says he got strapped to death, strapped, like you know, what they use in the old days to discipline children, the teachers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just for stealing one prune, Caldwell strapped him to death, beat the shit right out of him. The day after he got strapped so badly, he couldn't get out of bed. The strap wore through a half inch of his skin. His kidneys gave out. He couldn't hold his water anymore. They wouldn't bring him to a doctor. I don't think they wanted to reveal the extent of his injuries. Well, probably not, because then there would be questions. Yeah. So, after Albert died, Archie and another boy named Stanley Sam were ordered by that Caldwell piece of shit to bury him in the woods behind the school. Okay? Just throwing him away, basically. Yep. Two days before he was to be video interviewed by Kevin Annette, Archie Frank died of undisclosed causes in January of 2000. The same week that another key witness died, Willie Sport, who was also scheduled for an interview with Annette. Fuck. Strange. Very. So another uh, former inmate at the United Church School in Port Alberni, Harry Wilson, went public in 97. He said, in 1967, I discovered a dead body behind the Caldwell Hall at the school. Two kids from the... Oh, I'm going to get this bat really wrong. To see hot to T S E S H A H T reserve and me found a young girl. 
She was about 16, lying dead, completely naked and covered in blood. There was blood everywhere. I ran and told Principal Mr. Andrews, and he said he was calling the RCMP. But I never saw them show up, and the girl's body disappeared. Less than two months later, after I told Andrews about finding her body, I was shipped out to Nanaimo and put in the hospital there for three months. I was expelled from the school in 1970. I was sent to the Bella Bella Hospital then, and the Mounties had me committed, and I was strapped down in bed. I was in there like that for months. Oh my fucking God. Isn't that disgusting? Oh, so... Um, Harry's story gets a little bit more interesting. He was recruited uh, by the UN group IHRAAM to speak at a public forum about the Port Alberni shit, right? Yeah. Um, um, the following year, Harry was approached by two Aboriginal officials of the state-funded Nuchanolth Tribal Council, Ron Hamilton and Charlie Thompson. Uh, he's, um, Harry says, just before I was to talk about the girl, I found Ron Hamilton comes up to me and says, I wouldn't talk about her if I was you. If you say anything about it, you'll be sorry. As new Chun North Tribal Council official Charlie Thompson left our circle, he walked by me and said to me, Harry, you have half a brain and no one will miss you if you're found floating face down in the river. Oh, God. Incidentally, later, Harry was found dead on a Vancouver street. And he received the, about the same attention that that poor little girl did, that he found. So none. Yeah. Yeah. So Dennis Talio, Harry's friend, said, We even found a dead body at the school. It was in the fall of 1965. We were playing soccer in the backfield behind the school where it was really covered in weeds. In those weeds, I came across the remains of a body, maybe three feet long. Oh, my God. So, almost a baby. Yeah. It was decomposed, and you could see a lot of skeleton. I ran to the school, and then we had to call the RCMP. After that, the RCMP came to us and told us not to say anything about what we had discovered in the field. I thought this was strange. Why would they want us to keep quiet about it? In April 2008, a forensic specialist and his team conducted a survey of the suspected mass burial site and these hills identified by survivors. His survey pretty much confirmed what everyone, what all the indigenous people already knew. Yeah. He said... Uh, this is the surveyor? Yeah. Okay. Here, I'll get you to read that. That right there. The land has all the classic signs of multiple burials. The telltale vegetation and the presence of regular sinkholes in the undulating terrain. It covers more than 100 square meters. That kind of disturbance means that a lot of digging's gone on there. I've examined mass graves in... I never knew how to say that. Kosovo? Yep. Kosovo and Bosnia. And what I saw behind the Alberni school bears all the same features. It's the statement of Dennis Ball to Kevin Annette on April 3rd, 2008. Hmm. Isn't that awful? Yeah. Now, based on evidence and eyewitness accounts of the burial sites, Kevin Annette released a list of 18 burial sites at various residential schools across Canada on April 10th, 2008. 
this list garnered no traction with the Canadian news nor with the police. Nobody investigated. Nobody reported it. Wow. The former Catholic Kamloops Indian School was a special treatment school. This meant that children who were repeat offenders, <clears throat> um, who were repeat runaways, sorry, or who wouldn't comply were sent to a place like this. William Combs, a survivor of this awful prison, said of this place, They had a furnace going 24-7 that was totally out of bounds. And me and a friend witnessed the sisters and brothers taking what looked like little bodies under white wrappings or white cloths and putting them into the furnace. The queen came and visited us for three days, and a lot of children went missing then. Many children that weren't cooperative like myself. I wasn't cooperative. They were put with the children who were sick with the tuberculosis. They put me and my brother Ernie in with the ones who were sick because we wouldn't comply. Just... I mean, how many more times can we say horrifying, disgusting, awful? Yeah. They don't make... There's the intent there. Yeah. They don't... There's no word in the English language that can encompass how fucking terrible this is. No, there isn't. Okay, so Lorna McNaughton, who we heard about a little bit before, was imprisoned at and a survivor of the Anglican Mohawk Indian School in Brantford, Ontario. Isn't that where uh, Gretzky's from? Brantford? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brampton. No, Brampton's by Toronto. Oh, okay. No, it is Brampton. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this place was also known as the Mush Hole. Her brother Rufus was an eyewitness to a horrible sight. Now, this pretty much tells what you've already read before, okay. but it's a little bit bigger. So I'm just going to get you to read it again. Okay. Okay. After my brother got better, he didn't go back to the mush hole. He said, you know what happened to all those kids who were there at the mush hole? You remember that? And I said, yeah, our dorm was just filled with girls. And he said, yeah, so was ours, full, full of boys. You know what happened to them? And I said, no. They called in the army and they took them to the army base and they shot them. They stood them alongside the big hole, this big hole and they shot them. When the bullets hit them, they fell into the hole. And when they were all done... Those that hadn't fallen in the, in the uh, those that haven't fallen into the hole, uh, some of them were still alive and some of them were still alive in the hole. And he said they came along. I want to say a bulldozer. That's what comes to mind, but I'm not really sure that my brother had said a bulldozer. They came along with a big machine anyway, and they shoved them all in that big hole and covered it up. He says that's what happened to them. I must have been about eight, I guess, seven or eight. Let's see, that must have been in 43 or 44. Yeah. So some of those kids were probably still alive and just buried alive. Not even 100 years ago. Think about that. No, I know, eh? It seems like something that we should be reading about from thousands of years ago. Yeah. The horror of it. The savagery of it. But it was not even 100 years ago. Canada was a well... Um, well-built-up country. You're, like, think about this. Your dad was alive when that happened. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. That's true. He was... Oh, wow. And my... my uh, you mean grand, Grandpa, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, both of them were alive, technically. Yeah, but my, my stepdad, the man who raised me, um, the man I 
called that my whole life. He was half native, so this could have easily happened to him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ooh. So in Cranbrook, BC, stood the Catholic St. Eugene Indian School, of which Virgin Virginia Baptiste was a survivor. She died suddenly in 2004 after she had confronted the church about all the missing kids. Interesting, huh? Yeah, very much so. Uh, she said, it should be along the bottom there. Right somewhere. here? Yeah. We called St. Eugene's Boot Hill because so many kids were dying there from disease. Every second or third kid. I saw a nun lock up a little girl in a closet and she just left her in there to starve to death. Wow. <sighs> they all ended up in that big grave not far from the school. After we started our protest and made a big stink, guess what? The feds came in and spent a million bucks covering the graves with a new golf course. The chief was in on the deal. Everybody knew what was in that ground, but now everyone wants to forget. I'm pretty sure I watched a documentary about that. Okay. Can you... No, 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 no. I just remember the chief. They're saying he was in on the deal. Yeah. And I... Oh, they had the golf course. And then I think... At first they had a... They had a nine-hole golf course, right? And when people wanted to go digging more, they wanted to expand it to eighteen holes. Mm. Disgusting. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it could be any situation though. It, there's probably similar situations to that. No, do you know if the chief was in on it as a? Yeah, let's bury this under the rug. Or was he threatened? Or he was paid. He was paid, so... That's what they suspected in the documentary. Okay, so if he was paid... The chief swore he wasn't, but... So if he was paid, was it a matter of, ooh, I'm going to get money? Or was it a matter of, I'm getting this money from my people? Uh, was it a selfish thing, or was it a, this is... Let's put it this way, What okay? I can do to help my people. If he was paid, yeah, it was a selfish thing. Mm. Because he wasn't doing anything to help the people... Because he swore he had nothing to do with it. Okay. Okay. That's sickening. So it's not actually known. But this might not be, like I said, this might not be the same situation. Yeah, but if... How many golf courses do you think have been built on mass graves? Oh, my God. Think about that. Might be one here in Wetaskiwin where, there, where our golf course is. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. How many houses or subdivisions have been built on... Yeah. Yeah. Shit like that. Malls. Yeah. This is all their oh. land, so. Yes, it sure is. Okay, whew. So we're going to go to page 52 now, Colt. That's right. And uh, <laughs> Helene Armstrong, a member of the Osoyoos tribe and somewhat of a local amateur historian, said. I know a lot of the local Dukobors. Yeah. Uh, and they tell me that the first whites into this area got the land from our people after showing the Indian agent the fingertips of the Indians they'd killed off. Oh. That would have been around 1910 or 1920. All of the Naramadas were chased out of Arrow Lakes by bounty hunters hired by gold mining companies. There are mass graves all over the Arrow Lakes region. When all the res school kids started dying off, they just shoved them in those graves that were already there. Oh. So I might as well use the same one. Yeah. That's disgusting. They showed them the fingertips of the indigenous people that they'd already fucking slaughtered. That's fucking cold. Oh. 
Okay, so Pierre Kruger, a member of the Oyosus tribe, I'm, I really hope, uh, nation, sorry, I Oso, really hope. Also use? Uh, <laughs> now you're getting me all screwed up. It, it says, O-Y-O-S-O-O-S, right? It, it says here, O-S-O-Y-O-O-S. Oh, oh, Soyuz. Oh, Soyuz. Soyuz. Okay, so I, I spelled it wrong in the second. And we time. apologize for anything we mispronounced. Yes, sorry. We're, we're mean it with nothing but respect. <laughs> yeah. So Pierre Kruger was a member of the Osoyuz Nation and Adukabor, which is a sect of Russian dissenters that are known for their radical pacifism. They came to Canada in the early 20th century. Yeah. Um, he said, now I'm going to get you to read the third quote. Right here? Yeah. We spent years documenting all the graves around here because we wanted the world to know. Our mistake was to trust the whites. In 1992, we contacted the provincial government and asked the Heritage Conservation Branch to come out and inspect the mass graves we mapped. We found more than 20 of them between Cranbrook and Nelson. The government people showed up on a Thursday, and by Sunday they brought in the backhoes and wiped out most of the sites. Completely gone. Since then, we don't tell nothing to nobody. Yep. Isn't that terrible? Fucking awful. They're trying to... Do something good, and the white people just come in and go, nope, never happened. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Fuck. So Vicki Stewart, an innocent little nine-year-old girl, was brutally murdered by the United Church's Edmonton Residential School Supervisor, Ann Kanizki. Vicki's sister Beryl witnessed the crime, and she recalls, We were running in from the yard, and just because we were running, that's why Kanizki hit Vicky. Farrell told the Vancouver Province newspaper in May 2009. First, she got me in the back with the two-by-four, and then she got Vicky over the head. Then by the next morning, they told us she had died. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. A fucking two-by-four. What do you need a two-by-four for to discipline children? Yeah. You don't. You raise your voice a tiny bit. You're disciplining the child. It's so horrible. Of course, the official cause of death was listed as tuberculosis, and of course, the church and the RCMP still stand by this. Incidentally, the principal of that school was Alfred Caldwell. Oh, Alfred Caldwell again, mm -hmm. eh? We mentioned him earlier as the monster that killed other children in BC. Sylvester Green was also a prisoner at the Edmonton school, and he said, It's the first quote. I, I don't know how all the other kids died, but I know we dug a lot of graves. Lots from the school, but also from Charles Camsell, which was a an Indian hospital. Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out after that why I couldn't remember anything. Then I read in your book about a shock treatment. All I remember is that they had me down and I kept seeing these flashing lights and then nothing. I guess it was to make me forget. Isn't that fucking horrible? It... it it makes sense for the time, mm -hmm. not, not the what happened. No, no. I mean, them using shock treatment. People were experimenting with that all the oh, time yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, oh. So, the shock treatment, sort of a blessing at the time for him, I think, because he forgot it. Right? Yeah. But then he starts reading all this stuff. And it all just comes back to him. He has to relive it again. Yeah. 
and you're an adult now, so it's hitting you fucking harder. They're destroying them twice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is where we're going to leave it for this episode, because I think we all need some time to process all of this fucking horrendous information. Um, so I'm going to say this is really hard for me to research, because I have to stop all the time because I'm mad, or I'm crying, or I'm just fucking overwhelmed. Like, I'm sure Coulter can attest to looking over at me, and I'm just sitting here, like, staring off at nothing, because I'm, I'm overwhelmed with everything I'm fucking reading. And then doing the podcast, saying it over again, or having Coulter read these quotes, it hits me again. Like, it's so... Oh. But I urge everyone to do their own research about this. Yeah. Kevin Annette also released a documentary in 2007 called Unrepentant. I, I want to look this up. Maybe that's what I watched. Maybe, but I want to look this up. Yeah. Unrepentant. Uh, I want to tell this little story. Sure, yeah. Uh... Where this, uh, I'm trying to remember it perfectly here. This, this daughter, her father was always like a drug addict. Indigenous people. Right. Father was all like, but he had gotten clean and mm-hmm. they were reconnecting mm-hmm. because she was an adult. Right. So they were driving, right? This was here in Alberta, actually. Okay. They were driving and they were about to drive through this little town. Oh, no. And, uh. He started bawling. Oh, no. And she said, Dad, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he said, this is where they took my innocence. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's where the... I don't remember the town, but that's where the residential school was that he was in. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm this close to crying. Yeah. (laughs) It's a sad one. Oh. And all the drugs and everything. See, I'm, I'm sorry if my voice is breaking. All the drugs and everything was just self-medicating. Oh, for trying sure. Trying to forget. Yeah. And this happens so much, especially with indigenous people. And it's it's not their fault. Hey, I want to... It's I, generational trauma. Because how many parts is this going to be? This. In, oh, look how much I have left. Yeah, this will probably be like a fucking 10-parter or Might something. Might be, yeah. Which I'm cool with. Uh, when we get... I don't know if we... We didn't do it yet. When we get to the, the suicide rates oh, no. in certain reservations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so, it's something like, like 45% higher than regular. Oh my God. Or maybe even more. I forget. But And like even today, like, come on. Enough already. Enough of the fucking racism. Yeah. We are better than this. We're better than this. Let's fucking stop this fucking bullshit racism and trying to keep people down as a country. Let's do this as a fucking country and show other countries how it's done. Like, I, oh, I just. Yeah. I'm so Twitter-pated right now and angry and sad and that story that Coulter just told fucking broke me. Hey, but it's oh. it's not Twitter pated anymore. It's X pated. Oh, X pated. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Thank you for the laugh. X pated. Welcome, Elon. Thank you, Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so we're gonna end on that little laugh because it's. Oof. Yeah. So we we hope you. I don't want to say enjoyed this episode, but found this episode interesting. 
gain some knowledge from it. Maybe gain some, what do you call it? Perspective. Perspective and, um, oh, I can't think of the word, you know, when you just love everyone, when you accept everyone. Um, uh, some acceptance, I guess, yeah. of everyone. Yeah. And understanding. Yeah, understanding too, yeah. Yeah. All right. On that note, Colt. Bye. Keep your head on a swivel, buddy. Because you know what? People are capable of any crime at all. Yeah, they as are. We're, as we're fucking finding out here. All right. So until next time, freaks, we fucking adore you. Bye.